Welcome to another episode of GDPR Now, a podcast dedicated to GDPR and all things privacy. GDPR Now is brought to you by This is DPO. This episode is part two of a discussion around the ICO's recent paper on ad tech and real-time bidding. Taking part in the discussion are John Mitchison, Director of Policy and Compliance at the UK's Data and Marketing Association, Omar Oaks, Global Technology Editor, Campaign, Andy Houston, Product Director, Crimtan, and Mark Sherwood-Edwards, the host, that's me. Then the other thing that the ICO was very unhappy about was the lack of data protection impact assessments, DPIAs. They expected to have seen a lot of those. Um, I kind of think, well, yeah, yes, but everyone's been doing this for years, so why suddenly now? I mean, I can see that you might be doing it on a regular basis. If there's a big shift in technology, maybe more geolocation from mobile phones. But if it's people are doing it for a while, should they have suddenly done it now? Should they have refreshed it? I was, I was a bit surprised that with the advent, you know, everyone knew that GDPR was coming. Um, I was a bit surprised that more of this hadn't been done and that the ICO were characterizing it in this way. I, th- I think, by the way, part of the, going back to um, trying to gain consent, I think part of the problem on the publisher side has been just trying to play it too safe in terms of, oh, GDPR is coming. Oh, let's just kind of like bung everything in there. And what you end up with is a never ending policy document that no one's able to read. Um, and I think it, there needs to be, I think we're at the start of a process where hopefully people will get a lot better at actually defining their terms in the policy document. But, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, I would have thought it would be part of the course if you knew GDPR was coming, then why not do these impact assessments? No, that's a fair point. I'm not sure what's going to happen, though, much. You do your, you, it's slightly odd if you're the advertiser or the publisher now because the ICO has given you the answer to what your DPI assessment is. It's high risk. I can't do it. You know. <laughs> so, Don't do it. So, you know, yeah, exactly. so what are you going to do at that point? Well, you know, it's Ch- funny you should choose say Choose to shoot yourself in the foot or don't, you know. Because, because we were talking before the podcast started about, you know, so what are the options for, uh, you know... Um, well, let's talk about that. Sensitive, let's, sensitive, no, sensitive data, like, actually, just, just don't do it, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is an option. And I think, you know, what what I've tried to describe in terms of the RTB framework, for anyone who doesn't know it, is that, is that actually there is a lot of value in the RTB framework for connecting advertisers and publishers with relevant advertising that has nothing to do with special categories um, and has nothing potentially to do to a, like a pseudonymous ID. You know, sort of um, if... You've got a bus stop next to a Pret-a-Manger and they've got a special offer on a lunch, you know, sort of time offer, and they want to run it in a particular location on that bus stop um, at a particular, you know, sort of time to try and drive people into their store. Then that is a, a use of the open RTB framework. Um, and that is a use of non-personal data for relevant advertising. And I think there's a massive, you know, like piece there. I think one of the biggest challenges is going to be also the the cookie treatment as well, because bringing on to another topic around, you know, sort of ICO's positioning on that, obviously, you know, when they talk about essential and non-essential cookies, which is what the EPR is going to do, they've actually put pretty much everything that marketing uses as non-essential, including analytics. Yeah. Um, and so that actually raises a massive question around attribution, which is something that all marketers strive to, you know. Okay, like attribution is no, for people who don't know, is you've spent $100 on advertising on, on 10 different channels. Which of those 10 has paid and which hasn't? 
Yeah, absolutely right. So, you know, which 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 of your marketing bucks has has worked the best? And so how can I allocate and optimize my return on investment so that I get what, you know, more pounds out than I put pounds in type thing? Obviously, you know, sort of cookies traditionally um, have have been the lifeblood of um, attribution modeling within digital channels and purely on actually an aggregated basis. But actually, because Ico is saying, well, actually, you know, analytics, you know, is a non-essential use of a cookie, that does have a lot of implications with how digital marketing is going to work in general. Agreed. And I think it's already having an impact. I mean, you've seen recently that Google is talking about not allowing third-party cookies within the Chrome browser. And um, I think Apple is doing the same. They've um, already done it they've with already their done ITB it. 2.2. Um, so the market is actually, you know, this is what GDPR is doing. It's changing the market conditions. And I think we're just at the start of a very long journey. Education, as we've already alluded to, is a big part of that. But it's actually, you know, changing the behavior of the big tech platforms. Well, I think they, okay, I think there's two, two points there and there's a big difference. There's a difference between Facebook and, and Google, both who made lots of money out of the advertising, and Apple, which doesn't. So Apple is... Apple's anti-advertising, well, absolutely. It's, yeah, going, yeah. it's going to make, well, it's, you know, it's turning, it's turning a, it's for a fall to, to feature. It's turning its lack of advertising revenue into feature by going holier than thou as compared to Facebook and, 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 and Google and the advertising yeah. front. Tell that to App Store developers, but yeah, I take well, that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, you know, but I mean, I think, I think you're right. You've got, you've got the, you know, the fan group who, you know, do, do rely on advertising. And then you've got, you know, the other big technology player, Apple. And, you know, the reality is, is that the biggest growth in um, digital marketing spend at the moment is on mobile advertising. Now, if you look at the, prolif- the proliferation of iPhone in the UK markets, you know, you're looking at um, at least, you know, 55, 60%, if not, you know, sort of more for some of the retail, you know, sort of clients that we work with, some of the travel clients we work with, you're looking up with 80%, you know, on their mobile um, you know, that's that's a very real issue with, you know, how how can I optimize and how can I attribute, you know, sort of marketing spend on mobile advertising uh, back to what works well, because I can't really track it anymore. Well, I, d- I just made a distinction between third party cook- cookies and analytic cookies, right? So back in not that far, long ago, the working party 29, we said, yeah, analytic cookies, no prejudicial impact on privacy. They're OK. For some reason, they're now being seen as not okay. Reasons I can't quite understand, because actually, a load balancing cookie is, according to the OCO, okay. A load balancing cookie allows the server to recognise your browser and spread all the different browsers more efficiently. But clearly, a load balancing cookie is not strictly necessary. The servers will work fine without it. A bit clunky, well, fine. And equally, equally, the cookies that remember how much you've got in your shopping basket online mm. aren't strictly necessary either. Right, because you can do it without. So there's a, there's a slightly um, self-serving choice uh, between non-essential and essential yeah. cookies. Absolutely, but I mean, you know, th- th- there is now this definition, and we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to work within those, you know, so definitions. But I mean, the implications, you know, of, of like far-reaching. I think, you know, um, obviously we're talking about real-time bidding here. And connecting advertisers with publishers through, you know, a framework that happens in 30 milliseconds. But actually, you know, a lot of the ICO statements, you know, around cookies actually impact a much broader range of, you know, marketing disciplines outside of RTB as well. Well, you thought analytic cookies were fairly anodyne. I mean, I think I think they I think they tried to, you know, so back to the the legitimate interest piece that we were talking about earlier. Um, there was there was under GDPR, I think, this concept of aggregation 
versus individual analytical tracking. So if you aggregated data, so you process some data and actually chucked it into like a bucket that, you know, didn't have any identifiable pseudonymous ID or anything else like that, then 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 that was absolutely fine. I think the challenge is, is that even if you want to do it that way, you still got to have a cookie, you know, for yeah, that that's my point. to yeah. kind of work. Okay, so we've talked... Uh, we're at the beginning here. We're talking issue about what's the ICO, ICO been saying in its paper, and then what the impact is going to be. So let's talk a bit. What do, what do you think the impact is going to be now on, on people in this space? So the ICO has said it hasn't finished its analysis. It's going to come back in six months' time. Um, there'll definitely be intervention. I think it's going to say, I think it's going to set out a timetable. You need to have sorted X by this this time. Y by that time, and Z by so the further time. But I. Uh, Personally, that I expect to see happening. I mean, does any, any well, else? They, they, they've given, they've said six months, and by the end of that six months, they want to see significant movement. Oh, I don't think that. Sorry, I mis- I read that differently. I think they're doing more research. They'll come up in six months, and they'll intervene at six months' time. Industry well, sweep in six months' time. Was yeah, what I, mean, said, one so. of, I mean, it was, it was um, the the ICO report generated a lot of headlines but without actually seeming to have a lot of teeth behind it that I could see. I mean... Um, it wasn't intended. To, it, was a, it, was, yeah. it was a shot across the bows yeah, to everybody. Let everyone know this is what's coming. Yeah, but actually, when you actually look at what's actually going to happen within six months, there's not a lot of there there that I can see. And it seems that, you know, we were just saying about that we're at the start of a journey, perhaps. I think shot across the bow is a, is a good way to put it. Who knows what they might say in six months' time, but they're definitely, I think, relying on conversations to happen behind the scenes, on the market to respond voluntarily, rather than wielding the stick at this point. You know, I think GDPR was a reset button for everyone with regards to personal data legislation. You know, there'd been a lot of directives, not a lot of regulation, reset button. You know, there are, you know, still, you know, sort of everyone is, you know, going through a process of, uh, of, of understanding the gray area a bit more because with more and more clarification and to a certain extent um you know i think as well you know so this is this is also part of that whole reset as you say you know sort of um and whereas gdpr is around personal data we're now starting to get into what the epr will cover when it gets you know sort of finally released through the courts which is around non-essential essential cookies clarifying that definition what you can and can't track Sorry to interrupt, but do you think, okay, so there's two primary issues. What's going to happen in the next year, two years, three years for RTB? Will it survive, right? And there's two two main issues it's got to solve the way I look at it. One is the consent, non-consent. Okay, let's say it gets consent, right? Let's say all the privacy notices are great, really clear, multi-layered. It gets consent for everything. That's a tick in the box. It's all right. But then you've got this problem at the back end which you talked about, it's not like Visa. It's not controlled. It's the Wild West stroke dog's dinner of loads of people rushing around, swapping this data madly. And the ICO is not going to buy in any view, well, this is not really personal data. It's too abstract. Their view is personal data. So even if you get consents, you've still got this kind of um, ecology, zoology, whatever it is, in the backspace, which is so uncontrolled that uh, it's very hard for the ICO to sign it off. How's, how will that? How can that be uh, changed? So the ICO and the French regulator and the German regulators and everybody else is happy. Does anybody here have a, have a view around that? I can't see how they do that. I mean, I, I'm not technical like Andy here, but the only way that I could see that working is 
something like the visa system. So everybody who wants to take part in that framework has to have gone through some kind of uh, accreditation process. Yeah, something like that. You know, so you can't, you can't start handling people's data in an RTB system unless you come up to a particular standard and have agreed uh, and gone through some kind of process. That's, I mean, that's the only way that I could see that being fixed. And it's whether... Are you planning to leave that, John? <laughs> this is your chance. <laughs> whether industry can pull that off. I don't know if that's possible, you know. Well, I mean, so part of the data protection impact assessments, I mean, we did, for GDPR, we did about 15 data protection impact assessments for all the different, you know, set of pieces, um, you know, that we thought might be at risk. And, yeah, you know, I think as as part of that, you know, um, that is, in effect, yourself doing an audit. It's very easy then, you know, potentially for a regulatory body to come in and actually have a look at those and go, okay, well, actually, we don't think you're dealing with that data in a particular way. You need to fix that. Otherwise, you know, SIP, you can't be on our list. I mean, we we already do, um, for instance, the JIPWEBs, anti-ad fraud, and the DTSG standard. I don't know whether you're familiar with those. but JIPWEBs, I am, not the other Yeah, so, so, I mean, these are, these are basically making sure that we have the right principles and process for making sure that we are delivering ads for our clients, um, you know, sort of in a brand safe way. Yeah, so, so it's all about brand safety, effectively. And, you, think, and you, you go through an audit process from an external regulatory body to do that. And once they've, you know, sort of passed you, you get your certificate and you can show that to, you know, sort of your clients go, look, we've, we've gone through that process. If you think about some of the lengths that companies have to go to, if somebody asks for a subject access request, you know, why did I receive this email? Right, people have to go through a subject access request. They might have to explain the profiling that they did in order to select them for that particular ad campaign and that kind of thing. You might have to have a framework in place that would allow somebody to say, "Why have I been served this ad?" Mm-hmm. And then you would have to track back every company that 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 their data was served with and how the the bid was won and that kind of thing, uh, so that they would be able to know all of the companies that their data was shared with, because. Uh, if, in order to give consent, you know, for, for consent to be valid, you have to be able to withdraw consent as well. So yeah. if somebody's got your data, you can ask them to not have your data anymore. So if I gave consent for ads to be yeah. served on my browser and then I wanted to take it away, I would have to be able to withdraw it from all of the companies. Actually, the way to do that is the TPS equivalent. For those who don't know, it's a telephone preference service. In this, in the UK... If you don't want people calling you up, try and sell you things, you put your name down, I think, or the TPS is online, and they can't call you. In theory, they can't call you. That would be a lot more efficient than doing it on a per-person basis. How it would actually work, I don't know, particularly if you're taking Andy's view that we don't, you don't actually know who the individuals are. The individual said, I don't want ads. I mean, take a step back. Can, can, can I so, yeah. so so we've tried to support the rights of individuals, you know, through the process. So the right to access, the right to correct, the right to port, the right to export, the right to be forgotten, the right to restrict processing. I think there was four or five or six. I can't think I can never remember in GDPR. But actually um, we do have an icon on on the ads that we serve. Um, and that goes through to a particular page where we where we request to look at the browser to see if there's a cookie that um, might contain a pseudonymous ID so that we can then say, well, actually, based on this pseudonymous ID um, in the browser, this is this is the information that informed that decision. But could but could you could you identify every company that had been given that data so well, that they could so, then withdraw it? So 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 actually, <clears throat> the reason why you've got four hundred and fifty people on the list 
is because um, you've got um, operators who might be doing a a bid, right? So, and they're doing some some decisioning based on contextual stuff or maybe a pseudonymous ID. So, 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 so that's why there's a long list there. Actually, you know, sort of. Um, so, if you're asking, I guess, consent for relevant advertising, which is which is what we're trying to achieve, yeah. and what RTB is actually, you know, I think trying to achieve, yeah. that you know, so if, if someone comes for, uh, you know, a data request to us, uh, we can point them towards this page, and they can go in and see the data that we store about them, um, okay. based on the ad that we've just served them. So it's, so it's a relationship, I guess. Right. Is that the little blue triangle? That's the ad choices one, mm-hmm. but we've actually um, developed a further one because the ad choices one um, is only opt out. We wanted the facility to be able to um, either export their data and the right to be forgotten. So, as so, delete so if I see an ad, time. and what does your button look like? It's a little icon in the top right-hand corner. Of uh, the, what is it icon shaped as? Uh, it's just got an eye information. Okay, I click on that. It gives me data, and I can do a subject access request based on that if I want. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe in the show notes, we can put a link to that because actually that's quite in- interesting. That might be a way of doing it. It might be a way, but and I'm saying that, but everyone's got to, so back to a regulatory body, you know, let's let's agree what the right way is to do a subject you know, access information request for RTB when using a pseudonymous ID and everyone, you know, sort of like sign up to that. And that's part of the audit process. Do you fully support the rights of individuals? And there's a regulatory body who effectively goes in and says, okay, you're either going to get your certification or not get your certification mm. based on, you know, sort of that. I guess, like, one of the biggest challenges is that there is a there is a grey area um, around exactly what consent is, explicit versus implicit. What It's uh, not so much what con- consent, when it's clear whether consent is required or not, it's not so much... The consent, Whether you're a processor the, the, or a controller. Yeah, but the consent, yes or no consent, even though it's not binary, there's degrees, you know, as explicit and nice, but there's degrees of consent. It's more exactly what you can, what have you consented to is mm. often the trickier thing, I suspect. But I think that, I think that button uh, is an interesting thing which should definitely help progress the discussion and make, and make things a bit more intelligent and transparent and fixable. I think it's, I think we're kind of coming to the end now. I think it's probably worth bearing in mind that actually the question is not ads or no ads. You're always going to get ads. Uh, the only question is, can they be more relevant or less relevant? Um, and, and you're getting them for free, or you're getting the company services for free, typically. So, And then what usage of data sits behind that? Mm. Uh, and I'm just, okay, I'm just going to go around the table now and see if there's anything anybody, I think we've kind of come to time really, if anybody else wants to add to this. And also there'll be some show notes at the end uh, as part of this uh, podcast. And I can put some other bits of information there that people might want to steer listeners to. So, so John, have you got anything else you'd like to well, finish I just, off with? I've, I'll, just, I'll just finish up by saying I've, I've been looking at this for quite a while. And it, there's this kind of weird stalemate going on at the moment where everybody knows that RTB doesn't come up to the required standards, but nobody's going to stop using it. And um, I think it was Simon McDougall who described that as he, he describes it as market failure, where basically everybody, everybody, nobody can afford to get off the carousel, but they all know that they're not doing it right. Okay, Simon and, McDougall is the head of technology for the ICO yeah, or similar and job that's title. When regulatory 
involvement has to you know has to take place because they have to step in and and basically stop what's going on because nobody at the moment it's not going to happen on its own but it's a quick digression it's interesting that the ICOs waited so long to do that because RTB is not a new thing it's not but i think that the implementation of GDPR did change things quite a lot. People could get away with a lot more um, beforehand. Um, beforehand. And as Andy said, you know, the onset of e-privacy, even though it, heaven knows when it's going to be here, um, you know, the cookie rules will make that, will force changes. And they've brought those two things together now. And they've made it clear that something fundamental has to change in, in the system for it to come up to the right standard. Omar, you next. Have you got what, any parting thoughts? Well, a couple of things spring to mind. I mean, the first spare a thought for poor marketers because, you know, they've been, you know, in the last 15, 20 years, the advent of the internet and the opportunities that data collection has allowed, you know, you're always, they always hear, you know, get closer to your customer, get to know your customer more. And data collection and analysis has been the way that when they do that. And now you're seeing the backlash in terms of, well, this ecosystem has actually created a lot of issues that they didn't anticipate. But I come back to the point, we're still at the start of a very long journey. And also, I can't. I, I I didn't want to mention the B word, but I feel like I have to. You know, Bre- Brexit is going to frankly have an impact on this because assuming know, it happens, you know, assuming assuming it happens, you know, people that know me, I've been saying for the last three years that Brexit is never going to happen because it's too difficult to do. But anyway, that's a different discussion. If we do leave the European Union, we're going to have to negotiate and sit within a different or maybe the same, who knows, regulatory environment. And that's going to raise huge issues that we can't get away from either. No, agreed. That'll be fun. Um, Andy? So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a more transparent uh, RTB um, framework and uh, also process and making sure that it's regulated in the way that it should be. So, uh, you know, I think GDPR was the reset button um, for not just the RTB industry, but also, you know, many, many industries treating, you know, personal data. As long as everyone puts the customer everything, you know, at the center of everything they do and they approach, uh, you know, the way that um, they do business privacy by design, that ultimately, you know, I think RTB will will, will be around, but, uh, you know, it's it's actually quite a young thing. It's only nine years. And so I think there's probably, um, you know, going to be some big changes that we see over the next, you know, sort of two or three years, definitely. Okay. Well, I'll put the contact details of your organisations on the show notes if anybody wants to follow, follow up with them. Um, but other than that, um, I think that brings us to end of another, the longest ever episode of uh, GDPR Now. Uh, thanks to our listeners for listening. Thanks to Omar, Andy and John for taking part. Um, if you have any questions, just please email them to info at thisisdpo.co.uk. Equally, if you'd like to appear on a podcast or have topics you think we should be covering, please let us know. Contact details and other relevant information are available in the show notes. Thank you.